Amen. Amen. God is, is here. He's here to minister. He's been ministering. He's going to continue to minister. If you'll open yourself up, if you'll allow yourself to be ministered to, allow Him to speak to your mind, to your heart, you already know what things in your mind and your spirit and your life that, that need God's attention today. And He already knows those things. So if you'll just allow Him to minister, open yourself up, lay aside all the cares and concerns of your life for just a few minutes, let God minister to you in this place today. Starting in verse 14 of Mark chapter 9, it says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and... Wheresoever he taketh him, he, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples and they should, that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. And they said, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long, is it, as it, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said of a child, And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. And it's right there it says, But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Amen. Some of us are right there. Amen. I don't know all about this Pentecost thing. I don't know about all this Jesus thing and all this serving the Lord thing. But if, if anybody can help me, you can. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. He put it right back on him and said, Hey, if you can believe enough for me to do it, all things are possible unto him that believeth. Not just mental assent, but what did he do? He didn't just mentally say, okay, I believe you. He brought his son to him and said, somebody's got to do something. And, and he had apparently heard about Jesus healing others and doing other miracles. Amen. And so he, he figured, uh, my best opportunity right now, he's here right now, is to take him to Jesus. Amen. And straightway the father and the child... Uh, if thou canst, okay. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, we can be emotional with this, can't we? Amen. He's, this is a father. This is his son. This is a serious situation. He just wants his son to be normal. With tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. 
Father, thank you for this word that's already anointed. Thank you for this service that's already anointed. Thank you for the people of God that are here today. Thank you for every ear that's been anointed, Lord Jesus, for your angels that are sitting around us right now ministering. Lord, that you would continue to move in this service, Father. Let this word that's been being brought forth today, let it minister to the mind, the heart, the spirit of every individual in this place today that we would receive from you the engrafted word that's able to save our souls. Receive, Lord Jesus, the thing that we need today, that we've come here for today. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Amen. And so, you know, we're all somewhere in our, in our journey towards serving the Lord. You know, as I mentioned, I've been doing this, I've been serving the Lord for 27 years this year. And I don't feel like I'm I'm hardly moved five inches. I feel like I'm I'm still a babe sometimes. I feel like I, I have not really attained to the things that I want to attain to that God has for me. And so I'm striving. I'm I'm pressing toward the mark, the Bible says. Amen. And so this is where this man finds himself. They, they really didn't understand who Jesus was in that day. They really, all they knew was that wherever he went, people were being healed. Spirits were being delivered out of people. And so they, whenever he would come around, if you read that scripture as we were reading, it said that it was as if Brother Parker came in the back door and everybody got up and ran to the back door and left me standing here. That would be what it was like. When they saw Jesus, they all kind of went, and they ran to the back door to see what he was going to do, what he was going to say, because every time he came around, profound and awesome things happened. And so this man, all the faith that he could muster, and all that he knew was that this man, Jesus, was a healer. And so he came to him. He said, I tried to take him to your disciples, the ones that are following you, but they couldn't do it. And so... I know you can do it. And then what did he say? Help. I believe, Lord. Amen. We all are at a place in our faith. You know, God had dealt to every man a measure of faith. Amen. We all have the same amount of muscles in our body. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, how tall you are, how fat you are, how thin you are. We all have the same number of bones and muscles in our body. Amen. And so our faith is, and our, his faith was like that muscle. You have to exercise your faith. Amen. We've got to exercise these things. Amen. Prayer is a great thing, but if you don't take part in it, prayer's not going to do you any good. You've got to take part in the, the exercise of prayer. We were talking about prayer. It's going to be our focus this month in our Sunday school class downstairs about prayer. And my wife was asking all the kids, well, what do you think prayer means? What do you think prayer means? And, and I was sharing with the kids. I said, you know, sometimes when I pray, I'm not down on my knees and in that typical position that you think of when you think of prayer. Sometimes I am. But sometimes I just sit in my recliner. And the other recliner over there, when my wife's not there, I just sit there as if Jesus is sitting right there. And I just talk to him. And then I stop talking for a minute and I listen. And sometimes I read his word because it's his word. And his word will speak to you. 
And I, before I open that book and I re- start reading, I say, okay, God, this is your word. As I read this, speak something to me. Show me something. And you know, he's always faithful. He always does that. He'll always minister to you if you come to him hungry. Amen. But I told the kids it's like a relationship. My wife and I stood for our anniversary this month, 32 years of marriage, and and we, we didn't get there by sitting in a corner and not looking at each other and not talking to each other, not ever spending time with each other, not dating while we were raising our kids or any of that stuff. We have developed our relationship over 32 years of knowing each other. And we're still working on it. It's still a work in progress. Right? I don't, I don't just say, well, we made it to 32. I don't have to talk to her anymore. Like I, like I heard one guy say, I told my wife I loved her when we married. And if I told her if I changed my mind, I'd let her know. No, 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 no. No. I tell her multiple times a day. She tells me multiple times a day that we tell each other we love each other. Because I don't want her to forget. And it's the same way with Jesus. I don't just wait for my prayer time in the morning or in the evening. I'm, when I'm driving to work, I, I can turn the radio on and listen to the Christian station, and there's nothing wrong with that, or listen to talk radio. But I just, most of the time, I feel like the Lord's saying, turn that off. I want, I want that time with you. So I spend a lot of time just talking to Jesus on the way to work. You know, this city needs prayer. <laughs> I'm driving right through it every day, right down West Avenue. From the south side to the north side. And so I'm praying over this city as I pass by the colleges and universities, as I pass by these other churches, the YMCA and all that. I'm praying. Touch these people in this hospital. Touch these people. You know, they're, they're in darkness. Amen. I might not be able to get out and walk the streets, but if I'm driving, and I drive a service vehicle for the company that I work for right now, so I'm all over this city, and I go to Walk-On, and I go to Arcadia, and I'm all over the, the region, so I'm praying over a lot of cities while I'm driving. Amen. So prayer is something that you can do all the time. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Amen. Amen. So probably the one thing that every one of us struggles with then, based on this scripture, is what this man said, help thou my unbelief. We have faith. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't have gotten in your car and turned the key this morning. But you had faith that that battery wasn't going to be dead. Right? You had faith that it was going to turn over. How many have ever been there when you turned it over and it went, eh? Yeah, my truck battery died just one day. It just died. I went to go to work and eh, nothing. And so I had to jump it and go straight to AutoZone and buy a battery. Because it wasn't going anywhere. And I had somewhere to go. I had, I had I couldn't wait. I couldn't put it off. I had to go buy my battery. Amen. And so we have faith. The question is, how much do we exercise our faith? And even then, we still feel like we've come short. And so this man said, help thou my unbelief. And Many times that needs to be our prayer to the Lord. Help my unbelief. I know I believe in you. I know that you're the creator. I know that you made this earth and this world and all that's around, the beauty of all of it. And I know that you created me. And I know that you love me. But is that enough? Do do I need more? Do I need to go further? Amen. Kind of that whole attitude of not being satisfied. Amen. Amen. And so we all deal with that. And 
And we had enough childlike faith, like I said, to believe to come here or, or to come to an altar of repentance. We had enough childlike faith to believe that if the Word of God says that if I repent and get baptized in Jesus' name, that He'll fill me with the Holy Spirit. We had enough faith to believe that, to actually come to an altar and leave our comfortable pew and say, okay, I believe this enough. I'm going to at least try it. Amen. And when I went down in the watery grave in Jesus' name, in the East China Sea, I didn't know what was going to happen. All I was doing was just saying, I don't know. I was raised a Catholic boy. They never taught us this stuff. Right? And so I heard it preached and I heard it preached and I, I just I couldn't get away from it. And I thought, well, I have to do this. What's the worst that could happen? I could go down dry and come up wet. Right? But something happened. Something happened to me, and I, to this day, I really can't explain it to you. But there was something different about me when I came out of that water, because they asked me, how do you feel? I just, I just feel clean. I feel different. I didn't know what to say. I still don't know what to say, but something happened. Amen. And it was a turning point in my life, and, I've, and I didn't want to, it was like, I didn't want to leave that. And so I haven't. I haven't turned from that. I, I, I don't know what I'd do if I turned back to the old way. And so I've had to exercise my faith every day since then. Amen. I have to get up every day and say, I love you. In me, in you, I live and move and have my being. Amen. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. So if I want those things, I've got to keep loving him. I gotta keep serving him. I mean, there's nothing else out there that I want that it, that even comes close to this. Amen. Man, I, I thought it was a good feeling to get high on smoking marijuana till I found Jesus. I mean, it doesn't even hold a candle. Amen. And I don't, I don't know why I, you know, but the Lord knew. He, he, my life was what it was. It just was what it was. Amen. But thank God He delivered me from that. Amen. Thank God at 30 years old, I was able to make a decision and say, all right, enough is enough. Well, He kind of helped me get rid of that habit when He, when He sort of directed me into the military. It was either do that and get kicked out or not do that and stay in. So I kind of had to let that go anyway. But that's God. Isn't that neat how he'll just do that? Just to kind of, he was ordering my steps, leading me and guiding me. And he was doing that with this man. He, everything Jesus did was for a reason. Amen. Everything in this book was put here for a reason. For our admonition. To teach us something. Amen. We had enough faith to believe, as I said, and we obeyed the scriptures and we came to an altar. Amen. And if you haven't done that, that opportunity is for you today. Amen. Amen. At 30 years old, I had to make, I had a decision to make. I had two little kids, two very little kids like this little one, Matthew, that ran up here. And I had a decision to make. How do I want these kids to, what do I want them to be like when they become grown men and have wives and their own children? Do I want them to know about Jesus or do I want them to know about all the things of this world? Which they're going to find out about anyway. But I had to put something in those kids because I knew that the foundation that was put in me was enough to lead me to that place. So I thought, well, if I give them this foundation, that's all they'll need. Amen. 
Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 9. Amen. We're talking about the Lord helping us with our faith. Help thou, Lord, my unbelief. We're all suffering from unbelief today in some form or another. Things are going on in our lives we don't understand. You know, how many of have, have ever asked the question, Why, God? Why am I going through this? Why did you let me my car get totaled? Why did you let this happen in my life? You know, it starts out when we're little kids. Daddy, why is grass green? Daddy, why is dirt dirty? Daddy, why is the sky blue? Daddy, why? Daddy, why? Daddy, why? Right? <laughs> and we go into our adulthood like that. And when things happen we don't understand, we say, why God? Mark chapter 16, verse 9 says, Now when Jesus was risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom was cast seven devils. Pretty profound. And if this is being written, then that means that they didn't have CNN and Fox News, so everybody knew about that. Everybody knew who Mary Magdalene was. She was a prostitute. I'm not saying everybody, but most people in town knew who the prostitute was. And they all knew that she was cast, seven devils cast out of her. And she went and told them, so God used a prostitute that had seven devils out of, cast out of her to go tell the disciples that Jesus was risen. She didn't have much reliability, I guess, in their mind. And so she, he sent them to tell the disciples as they mourned and wept. And they went, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believe not. Help thou my unbelief. It was a matter of who delivered the message, I think. Well, she wasn't, she didn't have a, much credibility in their mind, so she can't, she's got to be making it up. They just didn't believe it. Here they were praying, and they didn't even believe that the answer was standing right in front of them. After that, after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them, and they walked and went into the country, and they went and told unto the residue, neither believed they them either. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. So he went and walked through a wall and appeared to them directly, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him, they were eyewitnesses, and they didn't believe him. And he was writ that he was risen, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall, not might, they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand, or the authority, of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. And so here Jesus walks through the wall to the eleven that didn't believe the three witnesses that he sent to him to say he had risen, and he upbraids them. What does that mean? He kind of got on their case. Like, guys, I sent you three people and you didn't believe them. Now i got to come to you myself. He gave them all kinds of grief. He just kind of gave them what for, you know. And then what does he do? He turns right around and, 
And, and immediately he forgives them. Because what does he tell them to do? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He, he immediately dispatches them. So we can't let ourselves get caught up in the fact that, hey, you might have made a mistake. Right? Because who, who is the one that comes immediately when you make a mistake as a child of God? The enemy comes and says, you idiot. You fool. Who do you think you are? See, you can't live for God. You might as well quit. Nobody but me has ever had that happen to him, right? <laughs> Oops, a lot of hands. You didn't have to raise your hands. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And so he, he, in spite of their lack of faith, he still said, you're still the ones I've called. You're still the ones I've chosen. You're still the ones I've sent. Go. I know you're going to make mistakes. Just trust in me. He was building up their faith. Because they were thinking, oh, well, he's going to fire us all. Go find 12 other guys. Right? That's what I would think if the boss came in ripping everybody up one side and down the other. Right? We're fired. We're done. But he didn't. He said, you are my disciples. Learn from this and go. Amen. So we're learning every day. Thank God we're learning every day. I never stop learning. Amen. First Timothy 1 and 12 says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. He enables us. It wasn't, it's not me that's doing this. It's him that's enabling me. It's not Brother Miller that's doing this. Yes, we, we answered a call to the ministry. Yes, we, we do the things that are necessary. We study and prepare ourselves. But really, it's him that's doing it. We're just the vessel. And he enables us. That's his grace at work in our life. He enables us. For he counted me faithful. This is Paul talking, putting me into the ministry. Paul didn't deserve to be in the ministry. He was killing the people that he became a part of. He was persecuting. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So sometimes our unbelief has to do with just like ignorance, like we just don't know. We don't quite understand the circumstances and situation. Amen. I didn't know all about this stuff when I came to God. And I still feel like sometimes I still don't know. And I laugh sometimes when people say, oh, man, you're a Bible scholar. And I just look at them like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. What's that pastor's name, honey, up in Hudson? Teaches at the PI. Brother Olson. That's a Bible scholar right there. He's a Bible scholar. At least I think he is. Boy, he's awesome. Anyway, but it's a matter of how much how much time do you devote to the things of God? Because I did it ignorantly, he said. So they, he just had a lack of information, Paul did. He didn't understand who it was he was persecuting. He didn't realize that this was the Jesus that, that stopped him on the road. And that's how it kind of happened. Jesus stopped him on the road and he said to something that he couldn't see, Who art thou, Lord? This was a Jewish man who believed in only one God, Jehovah God. He said to this voice that was coming out of nowhere, Who art thou, Lord? And what did the voice say? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. So think about that for a minute. If you're persecuting somebody, if you're giving somebody grief about anything, 
not just being not just being a Christian, but anything. You're messing with God's creation. Right. Amen. So we got to be careful who we're messing around with. You're messing with God's kids. Amen. I don't anybody have kids in here. Man, when somebody wanted to mess with my kids when I was growing up, I was ready to spit fire. Man, take a gun and shoot them or something, you know, go beat them up. Don't mess with my kids, right? And that's how God feels. Don't mess with my kids. And he's watching out for us. Even though he might be letting stuff happen in your life, he's there. He's always there. In a book called The Way of the Holiness, uh, Expositions of the Epistles of Hebrews, written by F.B. Meyer, it says this, Let us ask ourselves whether there has been any declension or decline in our heart religion, less prayerfulness, less closeness in our walk with God, less enjoyment in the worship of His house. For, if so, unbelief is sure to manifest itself as the fungus which grows fat on a damp and Foted or putrid smelling soil. Anybody ever seen that? Some some really bad black black uh, mold or something like that. Some really stinky mold on something. Amen. That's what he's saying. That this unbelief is sure to manifest itself like that mold. Unbelief cannot live in the sunlight of the fellowship with God. So you see the comparison there. You see where unbelief kind of goes hand in hand with not being in the sunlight of God. Amen. Hebrews 3, verse 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, and is saying to us right now, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. That was the time when the people of Israel were at the Red Sea, and God delivered them across the Red Sea. And what happened? They forgot. And what did they start doing? Murmuring. Amen. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with generation, and said, They do err in their heart, and they have not known, they have not been intimately acquainted with my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in you any evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. Not just yourself, but we need to exhort those that are around us. Hey, you, don't, you can't afford to not do this and not live for God. You've got, to, you've got to do this. We've got to exhort one another. While it is called today, lest that any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin doesn't just come up in your face. It's, there's a deceitfulness involved with it. Our faith, as I said before, is like a muscle. It's got to be exercised. And if you've ever been in a nursing home, we're going to the nursing home this afternoon to sing to these precious people that can't come to church. So we take church to them. We sing these these old hymns, and they just love it. They just come. They clamor in there, and they, they can't wait to get in there. Amen? And and I I do fire inspections right now. And so I go into a lot of nursing homes to do these fire inspections, and I see these people that are just atrophied to the point where they can't even move. they got to be in a, in a chair with wheels and a motor and a little stick that they move around because their muscles have become so atrophied and so unused that they can't move anymore. 
And our faith will become like that if we don't exercise our faith. Amen? We can become hardened like the arteries of, around your heart. When they become hardened over time, it doesn't just, you don't just have hardened, hardening of the arteries overnight. It's a gradual thing. It takes place over a long period of time of, of poor habits and poor diet and all these things. Maybe some, some of it's hereditary. I don't know. But it happens over a long period of time. And then one day, what happens? Somebody has a heart attack. And they take them in there and they stick a scope in them and they say, oh, you've got three arteries that are blocked. Well, that's been like that for a while. It just got to the point where your heart said, that's enough. Amen. And so we've got to use our faith. We've got to exercise our faith. We've got to exercise these things, these principles, these, these precepts, this doctrine that we follow. Amen. We've got to wake up every morning like we're a brand new babe in Christ and, and walk this walk all over again, afresh and anew. Yesterday's gone. We've got to wake up and say, okay, God, you're in charge today. Not, not Lord, follow me in what I do today. But, Lord, let me follow you in what you do. Let me be a part of your plan today. Lead me and guide me in your way. Order my steps. Hebrews 5 and 12 says, For when the time we ought to be teachers, ye have need of, of one to teach you again, which the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for, the, for he is a babe or a baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of a full age. In other words, that are grown-ups. Right? Even those who by reason of use, by reason of use, you're using it. You're exercising what this Word says in your life every day. You're making it a part. That's why Brother Parker so emphasizes about, in this Word, it even says, hide the Word of God in your heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? That's why it's there. That's why that scripture is there. It's for our admonition. How are you going to stay away from a life of sin and, and letting that life kind of creep back in is you're going to have to apply this word just like medicine on a sore. You're going to have to apply this word every single day. Not just when you feel like it. Not just when it fits your, your mold or your schedule. Of them of our full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen. This word needs to be our filter. So that whenever we come across, whatever we face, it automatically goes through the filter of his word that's in us. And immediately in our mind we go, okay, wait a minute. Does that, what the word says this, but this is, so that's not in the word, so that's not right. So we kind of, we got to, and, and you know, the matter of the filter is a matter of how much of the word you have in you. Whether it's a filter that's like, The one you put in your air conditioner at home to catch all that dust that still gets on stuff anyway. My, my wife goes nuts with that dust. Doesn't matter what kind of filter you put in there, it still gets on everything. But you're trying to capture all that dirt and that dust and that filter. And that's, the, how, that's how tight the filter of his word needs to be in our life. That we capture these things before they get past the filter and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that Holy Ghost in us going, wait a minute. That's not right. That wouldn't please God. Amen. Amen. Unbelief here is equated with being a child. Amen. It's a childish 
thing, not a childlike thing. There's a difference there. He wants us to become to him as a little child, right? With childlike faith. That kind of faith that, that when these groups go out and do these, these, these uh, team building sessions where they, they'll stand on the end of a picnic table like this and they'll, and they'll just, and they'll have the group behind them and they can't see them, but they'll just say, okay, fall. And the group's back there got their arms locked and they say, we'll catch you, just fall. That's a hard thing to do. Oh, you say, I could do that. Okay. Let's get some people up here and try it. Who wants to volunteer? No, no volunteer. Yeah, he would. <laughs> Amen. But that's the kind of childlike faith that he's talking about, to just believe that he's going to be there no matter if you fall or not. Amen. And so we got to be as a little child, but we don't need to be childish. Amen. We want to base our choices and decisions not on how we feel, but on what pleases Him and what His Word says. What is your precepts? What are you telling me to do, God? And a lot of times it's not going to be what you want to do. Okay? Amen. You would not believe the numbers of people that told me, you don't want to go to Wisconsin. It's cold up there. (laughs) They have Green Bay Packer fans up there. (laughs) That's okay. When God says, you will go to Wisconsin and you will serve me there, what other choice do I have? I do have a choice. I could, I could obey or I could just say, no, I'm not doing it. And what am I being then? Like a little kid. No, stomping my feet. No, I'm not doing that. That's out of my comfort zone. I, I have to do this and leave this and change this. And When I submitted to the will of God, none of that mattered. It wasn't hard for me to let go of those things. It wasn't hard for me to just say, you know what? This is the will of God. I'm not going to understand it. I might not even like it. But I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing. Amen? i got to look back at Abraham who God just said, pack your stuff. You're leaving. Okay. Abraham said, okay, where am I going? I'm not going to tell you that right now. Just walk in that direction. So at least I got somewhere. Right? He could have just said, start driving. I'll tell you when to stop. Bless God. Amen. He knew that if mama's not happy, nobody. <laughs> Bless God. So there are three essential conditions that brought Israel. There's three essential conditions that brought Israel to the place in the state of unbelief. Okay, now you you would think if you've been in bondage for 400 years and that God sent somebody and they still didn't believe him until after 10 plagues and all kinds of stuff happened. He still didn't believe him. And they finally believed him when they were walking out of town, walking out of Egypt, walking away from all that bondage and brick making and all that stuff. And then they get out there and woe is me. Here comes Pharaoh and all of his chariots and, oh, woe is me, you're a bad guy again, Moses. Amen. And what does God do? Opens the water. Now, that would have been enough for me right there to just say, okay, all right, all right, all right. Walking through dry ground, looking up at the sharks and the fish in the water, right? That would have just been enough for me. They can't get past that wall because God's holding his hands right there, right? But he's letting you see that. That's not in the Bible. I just... That's my perception. I saw that in a kid's video. They were looking at the fish. Anyway. (laughs) Think about it. 
It was a wall of water. It was just like glass. You could probably see everything. Amen. And on the other side of that, they were delivered. You think you'd remember that. But as soon as things got tough, what did they start doing? The first thing, murmuring, complaining, whining. None of us do that in here. We don't complain, murmur, or whine. Nobody in here has ever had a complaining spirit about anything. That city of lacrosse, I can't believe they don't do that. Me, my wife and I were murmuring the other day. We got a $20 ticket for parking in our driveway. Because they came and put sidewalks in, and now we're blocking the sidewalk. And my neighbor's a state retired state cop, and he said, that's a state law. You're supposed to know all the state laws by now. You just moved here. What did I do? I can't believe that. They just put sidewalks in. Didn't they put a notice out? Don't park on the sidewalk. I could have grumbled and murmured, and we could have called down there and raised all kinds of cane, but what did we do? We just paid the ticket. You know, bless God, don't park in, you know. It's like they set you up, right? They set you up. Amen. The second thing was, after they started murmuring, was that they departed from the living God. We read that. They began to depart from God and say, you know, you brought us out of Egypt and it was great, but, and this manna, this stuff's getting kind of old, you know, and we just, we think we can do it better. Right? We don't do that, do we? We don't get to that place where we say, you know what, God, you saved me. You filled me with the Holy Ghost. You delivered me from all that mess that I was in. And I felt your presence and your power entering to me when I opened that door and let you in. But now, you know, I got this. It's okay. I got it. If I need you, I'll call you, but I got it. We, none of us have ever done that. And that's, that's what that is. Begin to depart from the living God. Begin to say, you know what, I know I submitted to you before, but, but I'm going to kind of take that back a little bit. You know, that's where we didn't take our hand off the wheel. And when we come to God, we really just take our hand off the wheel and say, you're driving, I'm not. If we wreck, it's your fault. But I've been serving God 26, 27 years, and he's never wrecked yet. Amen. The only time it even gets close to wrecking, Brother Terry, is what? When we try to stick our hand back on the wheel. Had anybody ever tried to grab the wheel while you're driving? What's your first response? Get your hands off the wheel. We're going to wreck. Right? Don't, don't grab the wheel. Only one person can drive the car right? or the bus. The third thing that happened is they failed to learn from the lessons of the past. Amen? None of us is guilty of that in here either. Amen? People, you know, there's a saying out there that says, people that don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. Amen. It's true. True. Think about it in your own life. How many, things, how many times have you made the same mistake more than once? Because you didn't learn the first time. Any of us ever been 15? <laughs> or 16 or 17? You know... Wow, we're smart. We know everything. We don't, shut up, Dad. You don't know anything. I got it. You know. We all have to go through that, don't we? And so we've got to beware and be, be guarded against three conditions of our heart that can come up. Amen. We got, the Bible talked about an evil heart of unbelief. We've got to beware of that. And that's that, that spirit of permitting unholy thoughts back into our life. Letting stuff just kind of slip back in, right? 
That's how the devil works, too. He just kind of slips it back in on you when you're not paying attention. When you're not having that daily relationship, that walk with God. And that's, that's that evil heart. Uh, having an evil heart is condoning yourself in yourself the things that you don't excuse in others. Well, I can't believe they're doing that. And you're, here you are doing it, and you're condemning somebody else because I can't believe they're apostolic. I cannot believe they're doing that. But it's the very same thing you're doing. Amen. Finding it relatively easy to no longer believe in the things of God. Once again, just like Israel. We, you got us on the other side. Thank you very much. We got it from here. And we got to be careful of a hardened heart. And what, what is a hardened heart? How would you describe a hardened heart? That would be constantly hearing the Word of God and just ignoring it and not obeying it. You know, we have a lot of people. I, for, you know, for years before I got in truth, I, I'd go to church all the time, but I'd never listen to anything they said. I just went to church to punch my clock and say, I've been to church. Amen. Knowing to do good and do right, but doing it not. And even going so far as to be willing to go do wrong and not have any bad feelings about it. Cherishing unholy things that seem right in our own eyes. Was it somewhere somewhere in the Bible it says about something about men doing right that which is in their own eyes? To them it's what? Mm. Having a fickle heart, allowing the difficult times to cause us to pull back rather than persevere. Allowing old habits and pastimes to return into our life. Settling for the status quo. Settling for, oh, well, I'm just, this is just as far as I'm going with God, okay? You know, I, I, this is as far as I can go. I, I'm, I'm not going any further. I'm just, I'm happy right here where I'm at, Brother Miller, if that's okay with you. And I don't, I don't feel like I need to study anymore. I've just reached the point of saturation where I feel like I've had enough. Amen. We've got to be careful of that fickle heart. As I said earlier, every story, every event, everything in this book was written here for our admonition. The Bible says that. Why do we need this? We need somebody to keep coming along and kind of knocking us back on the path. We can't do it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. Every time we try to do it ourselves, what happens? We fail. But if we put our trust and faith in God completely and take our hands off and say, I can't do this except you do it. We're not going to be able to blame ourselves, and we're not going to have to blame God because he's going to lead us and guide us. He brought us to the place where we found out, we figured out we needed him. He, he did that without our help, so he can do the rest without our help. He just wants us to obey him. Amen. When I was raising my sons, all, all I wanted was them to just obey me. <laughs> and Martha's laughing. <laughs> Because she knows my sons. <laughs> she was in my Sunday school class. <laughs> Amen. But that's what we want, and we just want our kids to obey us, right? We just want, some, want people to just listen and do what we say at work, the people that work for us. They don't want to do that. And now that's how God feels. Amen. And I'm coming to a close, so if, we, if you want... We can all stand. That, that'll mean that I'm coming to a close. <laughs> we cannot afford to take the things of God that God is speaking to us lightly. 
And he is speaking some things today in this room. I don't know any of your lives other than that lady back there. So I don't know what's going on in your life. That's my wife back there. Isn't she beautiful? Hallelujah. 32 years. I can't believe God's kept me. He's blessed me for 32 years. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. What was I saying? We cannot afford to take the things that God is speaking to us lightly. God is serious. This is a serious thing. We are very quickly coming to the closing of this age and to the coming of the Lord. And anybody not believe that? Amen. If you look around at all the things that are going on in this world, God is bringing it quickly to a close. Amen. And so it would behoove us to start figuring out, do I, where do I want to spend eternity? Because you're only going to spend it in one of two places. I don't care what anybody tells you. This book is going to tell you where you're going to spend eternity, in hell or with him. And my choice is to spend eternity with him. Mm-hmm. Amen. My choice is to submit to him. The Bible says, behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time to examine ourselves, not when we have a, a special service and have communion, where we read that scripture that talks about examining yourself. But now, every day, is the day to examine yourself. Every single day, when I go to bed at night, I examine myself for the day that I spent. What did I do today that didn't please him? I know I did something, because I'm flesh. I, I'm frail. I fall. I make mistakes. But God is faithful. Not just on the various times, as I said, not when we have communion and foot washing. The scripture in the book of 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And in the last scripture today, Romans 13.11 says, And that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. We are sleeping, people. There's people in this world that their eyes and their minds are blinded. It's just like they're sleeping. To wake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Amen. Help thou my unbelief. God, you've brought me to this point. Take me to the next step. Take me to the next level. For the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. It's your choice to cast off the works of darkness. The only person that's making you hang on to that is you. The devil has no control over you. He can suggest and he can put things in your mind, but we make the choice of hanging on to things. Mm -hmm. And let us put on the armor of light. You take something off put something on. When I came to the Lord, I took off my old nasty robe, my old filthy rags, and I put on his robe of righteousness in my life. It's his robe of righteousness. It's his righteousness, not yes, mine. Yes, yes. Let us walk honestly as in the day and not rioting in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on like this jacket. I'm taking off this world, taking off all this stuff weight that I've been carrying around, this stuff that I really don't like doing, and I'm taking it off and throwing it down and putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. As I said in the beginning, every one of us is at a place in our walk with God, in our journey with the Lord. We are all given a measure of faith. 
And the question is today is what have you done with your faith? What are you doing with your faith? And my question to you is, are you satisfied with where you are? And this, don't, I don't want anybody looking around. This isn't just for people that are visitors, but this is for everybody. This is for me. Trust me, God got a hold of me on this before he ever let me come up here and stand before you and say this. Because where, I, where the Lord spoke this to me was while I was in prayer. And I was praying that prayer. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I'm still at that place where I know, I know there's more that I can have faith and trust in God. And I just haven't reached that point. But I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. Lord, take me to another level. Let me be so sensitive to your voice that I can hear you speaking in the, in the midst of a crowd full of noise. Father, we love you today. Father, I thank you today for every soul, every heart, and every individual that you have brought to this house today. Thank you, Father, for your word that's been ministered already this morning by Brother Miller and this word that's been ministered this afternoon. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you know every heart, every soul, and every mind, every situation, every circumstance, and every individual in this place. And, Lord, you have ministered in this place today. You, you have spoken, Lord. You have, you have sp- caused your word, oh God, and your, your, your principles and your precepts to be spoken in this place, Lord. And you have allowed the ears of the hearers, Lord, to receive this. And I pray that you would anoint their hearts, anoint their minds, anoint their spirit, Lord, to receive, not only receive this, Father, but to take this and to chew on it and and to begin to think upon it and dwell upon it and meditate upon these things that have been spoken here today. Each one of us, Lord, no matter how long that we've served you, Lord, if it's been for five minutes or or 50 years, Lord, we all are in some point in, in time in our walk with you, Father, where we're not satisfied with where we are, Lord. Help us to be able to humble ourselves today. Help every individual to be able to humble themselves. If you would like to come to this altar as Brother Miller begins to play, if you feel that God has ministered to you in this place, if you feel like you need to come and spend some time